Amen. Let's just welcome in our own hearts. I just sensed this right now as I was walking up here. It's like there's a door of our heart. There's a garden, an unlocked garden that Song uh, of Solomon calls a locked garden, and, and we're the ones that hold the key to unlock it. So let's just unlock our hearts right now and just invite the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Invite the Lord. The, the whole, Jesus is Lord over his church. And the Holy Spirit is Lord in the church. And where the Spirit is made Lord, 2 Corinthians says there is victory. There's victory. So we open our hearts, Lord, as we have through worship, as we have experienced you through the week. Lord, we thank you for today, for that the, the fog, there, there are two kinds of fog, Lord. There's the fog of the enemy, and then there's the fog of the Shekinah glory of God yes. that filled the temple. So, Lord, we thank you for your glory over our lives and in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Just in that posture, I, I'm, I'm skipping to the very end of some things I had in my heart. Yesterday at 442 in the prayer room, Somebody was singing these words. I was like, I got to type those out. So just, just he says, uh, no one can manipulate the fire. So let the fire fall. No one can manipulate the window. So let the wind blow. Do a work that we could only blame on you. You say, that's exactly. You say, Lord, that's exactly what I intend to do. Let the wind blow. Let the fire fall. Let the glory come down. So, Lord, you open the window. We choose to open the window of our heart. We must have more of you. We must have greater encounter with your exhilarating presence. We thank you for your word, for your spirit, for this time together. I thank you for a room full of hungry ones who want more of you. I thank you that I feed off their hunger and their desire. In Jesus' name, have your way. Amen. Amen. Well, if you don't have the notes, it will help you to, to go along. We've got such a good... We actually ran out of notes because I thought our little Q, our fancy QR code would work. And uh, getting too fancy for, for where I am, for myself. So, so we're back there making more, cranking out more notes. Like uh, I got the memory of... Uh, Krispy Kreme donuts, you know, when that was first popular, everybody was waiting for the donuts to come on the little rack. And nobody knows about Krispy Kreme. Oh, yeah. We've all repented, though. That's why we don't. Yes, okay. But what a service. What a time last week. I don't even know, could call it a service. It was an encounter last week. And, you know, it's, we, just, we, we said you can go, and then people stayed, and then... They kept staying, and then all the snacks were gone, and all, all our other plans, you know, were kind of out, out the window. I, I believe we are in the beginnings of true revival. I believe it. I believe it's been there at a lower level, but I believe we're in the beginnings of, of even an increased. Uh, revival is a season in which believers become more passionate about the things of God. I like to define things. I like to get my, wrap my head around, well, what's revival? What's fire? Revival is a season in which believers become more passionate about the things of God. Something was dead 
or dying inside of us. We don't want to admit that. (laughs) But something was dying inside of us, and it comes back to life. Revival is from two Latin words, re meaning back, and vivere, life. Back to life. It's a season in which spiritually passive believers, and whether you like it or not, you know, there's a part of us that becomes spiritually passive, so I'm first always to raise my hand. Spiritually passive believers become spiritually active. That's what revival is about. Revival is not a stop and start kind of thing. That's why I felt like the Lord put it in my heart to say revival is a season. It's not, you know, just a few hours on Sunday morning. Revival is an ongoing increase in the passion in our hearts for Jesus. This is not an ongoing emotional high, but it's an ongoing increase in our passion, our holy passion for Jesus. It's an increase in faith to pray and get what we pray for. It's a steady increase in what Mike Bickle called years ago the fireworks of God. Or by one of my spiritual mentors, Teresa Lee, uh, calls it the whiz-bangs of God. It's an increase in in encounters with God that move our hearts, that, that exhilarate us, and that keep us wanting more. You know that, we sang it again last week, I don't know, Colette maybe, somebody broke in and started singing, you move and we want more. Is that right? You You just quoted it? Oh, you quoted it. It got etched in my heart. You move and we want more. Come on. Well, we'll wait a few hours for that. Uh, It's an increase in dreams, as Nate shared last week. It's an increase in visions, in in the gifts of the Holy Spirit being manifested and more. There's a sense of wonder. How many have you like a sense of like, whoa, what? You know, ugh. It's that sense of wonder that starts to increase. And, you know, it's a, when a season of revival, it's fun. It, it's fun. It, it's really fun. Now, it doesn't mean there's not counterpunches and hard work, but it's fun to see God move that sense of wonder. Bradley our drummer is back here somewhere. Yeah, he, he, he came out. He was practicing some of the songs today, for today, yesterday. And, and he came out in the lobby, and he had this, his eyes were like wonder, you know. And I loved it. I was like, what's going on? He goes, you know, last week, Pastor, the, the power, remember the power went out? You know, those who may not know, before the service last Sunday, the power went out. And it knocked out our clock to where we couldn't keep track of the time. He said, Pastor, I think God did that. He knocked the power out just to show us that it was okay. And I was like, yeah, yeah, well, the clock's working today, so I don't know what that means. But uh, then yesterday, men's breakfast, we had such a great group of hungry men, spiritually hungry and physically hungry men. And we were going to end at like 10. Yeah, there was no leftovers, which bums me out. But at 10, 20 or so, we were, you know, Wrapping, it was, you know, like spend five minutes and they were there praying for each other, fellowshipping, just 45 minutes or more, just because they didn't, there was that 
that sense that God's moving. I don't, I'm, I'm just really engaging my heart with the Lord and in fellowship. Uh, Thursday at our prayer set, winter sets, Lindsay, I don't know if Lindsay's here. She comes to our, are you back there? Yes, I'm the, yes. She gets this word of knowledge. She says, I'm driving to the prayer time today, and I got this, I loved her phrase, she said, I got this zing coming down my knee, a zing. And, uh, and I think God wants to heal someone's knee. And then Steph, Steph's right here, wave your hand, okay? She goes, she goes, oh, that's me. I haven't been able to bend my knees for so long. And so, right, if I'm lying, come up and tell, okay. And so we prayed for her, and she, did you get healed? You got healed right away. Come on. May we never lose the wonder. I mean, there wasn't big odds. It wasn't like 2,000 people. Really, Somebody in here has pain in their right knee. I mean, your statistical analysis was, wow, that was the Lord. I tend to be like that, you know. If there's 700 people, someone has a pain in their right ankle. Yeah. How many, right? Let's be honest. It's true. So Rachel said it in the newsletter this week. If you don't have, we don't have your email, she sends a great newsletter out. She said, let's continue to seek the Lord on how we as individuals and as believers in Lake Travis can continue to prepare for revival as Pastor Nate exhorted us. We don't look at last week and build a memorial to it. No, that was, no, that's, that's a little marker to tell us what God wants to do and keep doing. It doesn't mean you go back and look. It means, ah, I'm ready to move into more. I'm ready to move into more. So today I want to share four, I call them anchors of revival. Four anchors, four things God wants to give us that will keep us locked in position to experience all God has for us. An anchor keeps a boat in position. Anchors that God wants to give us as gifts that will lock us in position for us to experience more. Now, I want to show this picture of this anchor because talk about the wonder. I mean, I've had such a fascinating week because I was doubting, Lord, why should I really call it anchors of revival? Because all my terminology is like, oh, revival is a river. It's moving. If I tell them anchor, they'll be like, no, I want to move. I don't want to, you know, Lord, do you really mean what, you know? So this was on December 11th. So was that Friday? December 11th, I'm like, Lord, do I use anchor? I opened my emails, and from a ministry in Haifa, Israel, Eitan Shishkoff, it's a Messianic Jewish ministry, he sends out this newsletter entitled Anchor for your soul. Let me see if I said that right. Yeah. Anchor in the storm. Anchor in the storm. And that was the picture. I mean, pulled right up, right as I was saying, Lord, should I use this term anchor? So I felt like it was the Lord saying, yes, Glenn, use that. It makes sense. An anchor in the storm. This phrase came to my spirit this morning, praying. Winds of revival come with storms of resistance. Whoa, we want the winds to blow. Well, if we, winds of revival, by nature, there are storms of resistance. You might have encountered some unusual resistance this week. 
or whenever you, you are moving forward in God, there's, there's a resistance where we need anchors to stabilize us. Anchors of revival. An anchor in the storm, the storms of the enemy. Anchors keep us from drifting spiritually. A boat uses an anchor, so when the wind and the waves kick up, it is not blown around, doesn't get tossed out of position, doesn't take on water, doesn't tip over. We need to be anchored in certain solid, unchanging truths so that our boat, our life, doesn't tip over. I've seen it over the years. I'm at the revival meeting. I'm at, you know, revival so many times. It's like, and then sin gets in. Or cares of life. And they're not anchored in position for more. There's not a sustaining. And I'm telling you, the end time move of God, we've got to learn how to stay in position to sustain the move because there's, there's going to be a one great last end time move of God that is going to call. We're believing for 50,000 souls in the Lake Travis area. We're believing for a billion soul harvest around the world. Right? Well, there, we've got to get anchored so that we don't drift. Paragraph B, anchors help us remain steady and secure in the Lord even though the enemy attacks us. It's what I call, and some of you, I hope this is really going to help you. It's what I call the punch-counterpunch principle of the kingdom. So that we won't be dismayed, we need to understand the kingdom dynamics. We are in the kingdom of God. There's a rival kingdom called the kingdom of darkness. And there, there is a dynamic where whenever we strike a blow for Jesus against the enemy and we advance the kingdom, the enemy counterpunches at us because he doesn't just take this stuff lying down. He'll say, oh, isn't that great that, that Steph got healed? Oh, oh, well, no. He doesn't like it. He, his nature as an evil, pure evil, is to try to counterpunch us. I want us to get this by revelation so we're not dismayed when we go, why is this happening? Let's look at this passage. X, X 14 is an example of the punch-counterpunch of the kingdom. And I, I actually put in all caps after each underlined section, whether it's a, a punch for Jesus or a counterpunch of the enemy. And it's amazing how close they are to each other. Acts 14, now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke, here's the punch of, for Jesus, that great, a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, believed. Pastor Nate said last week, revival leads to awakening, which means when the church comes back alive and those embers start to fan into flame, then lost people say yes to Jesus more readily in a region. That's called awakening. You were asleep, you didn't know Jesus, and you became awake. You became a Christian. So in this case, there was revival, there was awakening in verse 1. But then look at verse 2. But... 
the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles. And look at this phrase, poisoned their minds against the brethren. Have you ever thought, man, why are they acting so crazy? Could it just be that the enemy uses people by poisoning their minds against you? Against a president? Against other kinds of, in other situations? A fascinating phrase. The enemy poisoned their minds, the Gentiles, of, of, of the Gentiles, poisoned their minds against the brethren, so against the believers. There's the counterpunch of the, of the enemy's kingdom. Look at their response to the counterpunch. It didn't say, therefore, they sat around and cried and commiserated and said, ah. It says, therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting, here's the punch, signs and wonders to be done by their hands. You're going to poison your mind against us? We're going to lay hands on the sick and see him recover. God wants us to be a church of a different spirit. A Joshua and Caleb church that are not dismayed by the giants, but they see the grapes in the, heart, in the promised land. That say, we're going forward, even though there's a counterpunch, I'm coming harder for the kingdom of God. And we need God's grace to do it, but I declare that's what's, what God is doing over us and in this, in this body. So there it is, granting signs and wonders. Look at, what's the first word in verse 4? But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone the Christians, the brethren, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lycania and the surrounding region. So there, after the signs and wonders, after the power encounters, came the counterpunch of the enemy to where they actually threatened physical harm. And so then, verse 7, they were preaching the gospel there. Oh, wait, yeah. And they became aware of it, fled to these other cities. Did they flee and just say, oh, no, no? So we're going to keep punching. We're going to keep punching. And they were preaching the gospel there. Notice they didn't quit. They ramped it up. I would say they were anchored in their faith, and the revival continued. If you were anchored, then you don't stop because you meet up with the counterpunch. You keep punching. May God give us that grace to do that. Amen. So Roman numeral three, we're going to look at four anchors. There's an anchor for each counterpunch of the enemy. There is an anchor that God wants to give us. So I kind of broke this down to a little more detail. That I, that I'm glad you have the notes to kind of soak on it, meditate on it. Now, before I share these, it's important for us to note that these anchors, these gifts of God do not come automatically. There's so much about the kingdom of God that comes when we hunger for, for what God has provided. It does not come automatically. 
Last week, at the end of this, toward the end of the service, I had this sense that God was giving out a, gr- a grace of spiritual hunger among us. And, I, and, and Cynthia, wait, can you wave your hand? Cynthia was over here. She was up here just receiving more from the Lord. And I just felt up to, to go over and just gently put my hand on her shoulder. And as soon as I touched her, I get, sometimes I get pictures. But I got this little film strip of, of an Olympic ceremony, the, like the opening ceremonies. And Cynthia was running into the Olympic stadium with a torch. And she was lighting the torch, uh, lighting the Olympic flame for the beginning of, a, of the Olympics. Only the Lord said, it's, it's, she's lighting the torch for the Hunger Games. Now, I don't remember that movie exactly. I think there's some other ones. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ben. I just don't know. But the Lord said, and so I got up and gave that word, and I said, God's, God's Today's a day where we're, the, he, he's calling us, the, the, the hunger games have begun. The hunger games. I, I want to live a hungry life. Misty Edwards sings, happy am I to live a hungry life. Blessed am I to thirst. My desire for you is, is a gift within. See, I, I, it, we're happy when we're hungry for the things of God. So then Cynthia came up and shared what she saw about some other things, and, you know, then that was another wave of, of encounter. But I believe that, again, since, since revival is a season, I believe if you feel your hunger starting to wane, you can say, Lord, release, is st- you know, cause me, because I'm stepping into this, a greater hunger, okay, for you. So, Amen. So we need hunger um, for these anchors. Number one, the first anchor is for the attack of the enemy, the counterpunch of isolation and loneliness. Very real. God wants to give us the anchor of family, the family of God, the relationship of God. Psalm 68 verse 6 says, God sets the solitary in families. He called it that. There are t-shirts going around called Revival is Family. And my friends are my heroes. Revival is family. It's, it's hanging out together. It's growing and discipling each other. It's, it's enjoying that fellowship where you're in the, in the home group and the presence of the Lord manifests, you know, and, and you, you're like, I can't wait till home group again. I can't wait till the prayer set. I can't wait for whatever, whatever the, the gathering of the family of God is. Nate said last week, a sign of, a sign of revival is increased desire for fellowship. Because the scheme of the enemy is to isolate us. I want to take this a step further. Family's not just an anchor. It's it's essential for us in the days ahead to stay in position for God's move because the enemy wants to isolate us because when you get isolated, it's easier for the enemy to come and lie to you. 
It's easier for him to whisper in your ear and accuse you and attack you with feelings of guilt, shame, rejection, fear. So you know what? Forget that mess. He's coming in, trying to get you isolated, telling you all kind of stuff. You say, I I need to go to a fiery family of believers. And when I'm starting to wonder this thing or feel lonely or like, am I missing it? I want to be around some people I can say, you know, I'm going through this thing right now. What do you think? And then before you know it, they give me the counsel of the Lord. There's, There's safety in the multitude of counselors. And, and when you trust family, you trust their counsel. So when you get, or maybe your, work, maybe your workplace, you're around unbelievers, atheists, or just lukewarm Christians, but you're around people throughout your week who are mocking Christianity. You need a place where you can go And you need to go to the family and hear a testimony about how God healed somebody's knee. And you go, yes, God is real. I'm not off track. Christianity is awesome because I'm around a fiery family that encourages me. It will anchor us to be in family. Now, we are not a perfect family. There's dysfunction in the family of God. I'm not going to say we have crazy uncles, but... You know, we're all works in progress, right? We're all works in progress. There's still dysfunction, but the love of God is being poured out in our midst. The joy of the Lord is among us. And you know, when you're among family and the Lord is pouring out, a lot of people are laughing at that because they're thinking of something. Oh, well. They... The idea, though, that you're received for who you are. You're a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. We love each other on the way. And we help each other get up when we stumble. The second one is the word. For the attack of deception and pressure that is going to come to us to be conformed to the world, there is the anchor of renewing your mind with the Word of God. God gives us His Word as an anchor for our soul because there's so much deception out there. There's so much pressure to be conformed to the ways of the world, even the ways of the lukewarm church world, that we must renew our minds with the Word of God that will cause us to be transformed. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Revival, well, let me just back up and say, fires need logs to keep burning. Fires need logs to keep burning. In the same vein, revival fire needs Christians to put logs of God's word in their heart to keep burning. Didn't get a lot of amens on that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a picture that this time of year. I'm not even going to ask anybody who logs on to YouTube for the Yule log. Is, is there a volume up on that? <laughs> I don't know. 
Yeah, turn the lights down. Can you all turn the light? Can you turn the lights down and turn that volume up? I don't know if you can turn the camera for those online. Um, is there a volume? Okay. <clears throat> okay, now, this is an eight-hour video. And, and I, have a little, I have a little thing where if I start to show a video, we have to watch it all the way through. So can you cut off the clock there? So. But while we're looking, while we're roasting marshmallows right now, the fire is the Holy Spirit. The fireplace is your heart. The living room is cold without the fire. The, the logs are the Word of God that we're renewing our mind with. So when you read and meditate and are ingesting, eating the scroll, I like, can you play that music up a little more? So when you are So when you are if the Holy Spirit is the fire to keep the fire going we need to put more logs on the fire. And so when you put the log on the fire the fire the spirit and the log combine and create combustion and they heat the entire room. That you are called, we're called to bring heat to a cold world. You see? So we can't, well, oh, you know, I used to go to, to, to these things. God was, you know, I was going and God was moving. And, and you know, now I don't really feel, feel like, you know, that, that thing last week. And, well, are you, are you putting logs on your fire? We can start telling, making that a little thing. We say, hey, are you putting logs on your fire? Well, then we could, then I could be rebuking people. But. All right, thank you. We won't go all eight hours. There's mercy. The word is fire. I mean, the scripture is fire. The word is the logs. You feed the fire by reading and med meditating on the word of God. It's combustion. It will anchor your soul. It will anchor your mind, your will, and your emotions against the lies and accusations of Satan. Now, Sherry Gordon is a friend of mine because we love old 80s music in the church. I did this just for you. Maybe someone else may know. You can turn the lights up in the other thing. Um, anybody remember the Imperials? All right. Imperials, 1980. A great album in which there's a song called Praise the Lord, talking about logs and fire, it says, and the lies of Satan. It says, now Satan is a liar, and he wants to make us think that we are paupers when he knows himself we are children of the king. So lift up the mighty shield of faith, for the battle must be won. We know that Jesus Christ has risen, so the work's already done. Praise the Lord. All right. Yeah, go back to the Imperials, Russ Taff. It's so good. 
But we know Satan's a liar. He wants to make us think lies about ourselves. So we lift up the shield of faith. We, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Psalm 119, verse 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I am praying that the word of God will not be a chore, but it will become sweet to you. Whether you download it and listen to it on, you know, through you know, audio Bible or however you get the word in you, I'm praying that you'll be like, wow, and it will become tasty, that you'll look forward to it. Like I've said, I, I snuggle back in my covers, my comforters, I get my coffee, and I download the scripture, and then I watch it on my phone, so I'm hearing it and reading it, and it just, it's like honey to me. It's like sopapillas. I grew up in Albuquerque. That is a New Mexico sopapilla, not a Texas sopapilla. When you go to a restaurant in Albuquerque, they give you a big basket of sopapillas with honey, just, just because you're sitting there, and chips. But that's how I, I, I put that up there, not to be entertaining, truly, but so you can see. This is how God wants you to see his word. Unless you don't like sopapillas and honey, then, then think of something else. But, but it's the word... Revival is family. Revival is feeding on the Word of God. Third, revival, this may surprise some of you, the third anchor, those two anchor us against the attacks of the enemy. The third the, is the anchor of evangelism. The anchor of the Great Commission. For the attack of becoming self-absorbed and myopic, which means all you're doing is looking at you. My problems, what do people think of me? How am I going to make it? You know, for the, ang- for the, the counterpunch of looking at yourself, there's the anchor of looking up and looking out at the harvest field, at the lost in the stepping into the Great Commission as an anchor. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. That's the Great Commission. Now, are you asking me, are are you saying we've all got to be like Billy Graham? And I'm not. Yes, no, I'm not. Just be yourself. You don't have to be a great theologian. Just tell your testimony. I had a bad knee and I, they prayed for me. Or, or tell, tell someone, ask someone if you can pray for them. If you have an oppression, a burden for somebody, they look all stressed out in line at the, the store, you're like, hey, are, can I pray for you? And see what happens. That's evangelism. It keeps you spiritually healthy when you are looking out from, from you. Sharing others with others who Jesus is to you. Just telling your testimony in different ways. That's, that's, that's the Great Commission. That is healthy for us. So we don't want to be ingrown, looking in the, the whole time. If you are looking at you all the time, you run into stuff. You bump into walls. I mean, there's videos of people that are so glued to their phone. There was one video, for real. He's, he or she, I'm not going to say... 
They're on their phone so much, they just fell right into a fountain of water. It's just hilarious. But in a sense, we have to understand the enemy wants to cause us to become self-absorbed to where we don't look out. It's so healthy when you look out. When, you, when we see someone who's never given their life to Christ become gloriously born again, there's a freshness that comes to us when we see that. A fresh excitement about God. And you, you, you get excited and expectant for God to show up when we gather together. Because somebody this week got saved. That you, had, that you were be able to be around when they received the Lord. The Great Commission is an anchor for revival. It's a safeguard for our spiritual health. How many of you have ever been on a mission trip? You know, it's hard work. It's not comfortable. But when you're out there and you see someone give their life to Christ and there's tears in their eyes, it does something to you. It marks you. It gets you in that. Ha you become really happy. And you look back and go, why? Because I, my, I got my eyes off me. And I saw what, what the needs out there in, in, a, in a great way. I had dentist uh, work this week, new dentist, and um, he's working on my teeth. I prayed for what right dentist to go to. He's a Christian. And he starts telling me his testimony while he's working on my teeth. And he starts tearing up, telling me how gloriously he got saved and how people were praying for him. And I'm thinking, okay, you're crying, but you have your drill in my mouth. I was like, and you can't, as a pastor, you want to say, amen. And I'm just like, oh, oh. But he, he was touched. And I'm telling you, if I wasn't saved, I'd have gotten saved after he gave me his testimony. It was beautiful. So just give your testimony. It will move people. It will move them. Amen. Rachel, if you could come up and the team. The last one. Now, like I say, you may, you may not see these this way, so look at it that way. The revival is family. Revival is feeding. And revival is fishing. Fishing for the lost. Now, I didn't try to come up with three Fs like that, but it, it helps us remember. It's family. It's connecting together. It's feeding on God's word that's sweet to your mouth. It's fishing for the lost. It's looking out, saying, who, who do you want me to minister to today? These will anchor us and position us for more of what God wants to do. The fourth one, for the attack of the pull of worldly pleasures is the anchor, the gift of God that he gives us to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to have encounter with his manifested presence. Gazing on the beauty of the Lord. God created every one of us with the longing for beauty. And so it's so cool that God himself meets that great longing with himself. David said in Psalm 27, 4, One thing have I desired, that will I seek, that I'll spend all the days of my, of my life. He was king of a nation and commander of the army, so he was a busy guy. 
But he said, one thing I want to devote myself to daily is to dwell in the house of the Lord, to behold the beauty of the Lord. Because that's his great longing is for beauty. And to inquire, to ask questions in, in the temple. The longing for beauty and fascination is met by taking time to sit before the Lord, to gaze upon Him, to take the word in your heart. Misty Edwards sings, I'll, I'll take my cold, cold heart, because our hearts get cold. I'll take your word in my hands, and then I'll give you time to come and melt me. It takes time. It's not a rush. It's a, it's a gazing, not a glancing at the Lord. You see, the enemy wants to fill us and tempt us and pull us with earthly, temporal, inferior pleasures. When we take time to gaze, we are beholding the superior pleasures of God. The superior pleasures of knowing him and seeing his countenance and beholding his beauty are far greater than the inferior pleasures that the enemy, our flesh, and our world system have to offer. And there's a, it's a vast subject. I'm not going to take the time to go with that very much. There's a lot of teaching on that. But the, the bottom line that I would, would encourage you to do is say, I want to be anchored in the superior pleasures so that when the storms of temptation and testing come that are inferior, I'm eating ribeye, delicious, not, and I'm like, I'm not, I don't need that spoiled, overcooked, bad hamburger meat. I've got the superior pleasure of knowing God. And so you make, you're, 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 you're anchored because God's filling you with pleasure. People say, Glenn, do you, how do you do it? You're in the prayer room so much. And how do you do it? I go, well, let's see. I really like pleasure. I really like beauty. I like being fascinated. So don't feel sorry for me. I'm good. Because I'm, because I'm gazing and I'm, and I'm becoming anchored. I'm taking the time. Let you stand up, if you would, to your feet. It's, it's the turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Not just a moment, but take that time. Schedule the time whether it's in this prayer room or in your prayer closet or wherever. Turn your eyes on Jesus, look full at his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, of his beauty. As a response, would you just, let's just, I asked Rachel to lead us in that for a moment. We're going to open the altar. You can come now if you'd like to the altar. We're just going to ask for encounters with the Lord. I'll have something more on that. But let's just, I feel like this is how we're to respond.